and the marketing materials that companies are producing just aren't actually getting used in the field. And the most successful sales reps are building their own marketing materials. You're listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration, a podcast dedicated to helping software executives stay on the cutting edge of sales and marketing in their industry. Let's get into the show. Hi, welcome to B2B Revenue Acceleration. My name is Aurélien Moutier, and I'm here today with Bill Bice, CEO at Boomtime. How are you doing today, Bill? Doing great. It's wonderful to be here with you. I like the name of the company, Boomtime. It's uh, something that uh, sounds really good. So before we get going, and, and the topic that we want to discuss today is, is around the challenger sales impact. It's, it's a topic that we love. We love the challenger sales. It's, it's every day here in use at Operatics. But before we get started, would you mind introducing yourself and your company, Boomtime, in more details, please, Bill? Yeah, so I'm a, an entrepreneur at heart. I feel like I was born that way. I started my first software company when I was 18, and I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. And I've, you know, I've since gone on to, to found or be a principal advisor and investor in, in 27 companies. And... The reason for Boomtime is because of my frustration in getting great marketing for those companies. So I'm a, I'm a programmer at, at heart, wrote the platform for that first software company. And, and so I tackle marketing as, as a, from, from the standpoint of the data. And so we've taken a very you know, data-driven, iterative approach to, to really figure out what works and do the thing that, that, that really causes that frustration in marketing, which is that this is a discipline that just really resists attempts at scale and efficiency, unlike, you know, all the other elements in our business. And so I, I wanted to, I wanted to change that. That makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. So, so Bill, you, you recently wrote an article about the challenge ourselves approach. Can you talk to us a little bit more about, about that article and the step that you would advise in implementing a successful challenge ourselves methodology through day to day at work? Yeah, what we have found is that if you take the the challenger sale approach and infuse it into your marketing that it, it really helps wherever your sales process is at. It helps you move forward. Now, ideally, of course, you, you really embrace the challenger sale and you do training with your sales team and you really hire with, with that mindset. But we have found tremendous value in, in, for every sales team in implementing the challenger sale approach because what it does is it creates sales opportunities that wouldn't otherwise exist if that's how your marketing works. And so that's, that's really what I'm advocating is, is read, you know, read the challenger sale and take, you know, there's a stat in there that's just astounding, which is that, that the vast majority of the marketing materials that, you know, the challenger sale comes out of large companies. Our experience is, is taking these concepts and implementing them more in the sort of, you know, two to $20 million a year company. Sure. And, and we, you know, we see the same kind of success and, and the marketing materials that companies are producing just aren't actually getting used in the field. And the most successful sales reps are building their own marketing materials. You know, the, the challenger, the challenger rep, is, as as the book defines it, typically spends a third of their time building their own marketing materials because that's what they need to do to be successful. So just imagine if the company, who's in a much better place to implement the challenger approach to to leverage the experience of you know, the executive team and, and all of the salespeople, as opposed to one rep doing it one off, that not only do you give your best reps more time to sell, but you also bring much more perspective and insight to that challenger approach when you apply it, comp- you know, company-wide to your marketing. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think 
we've seen the challenger model working very well many times, but it's 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 coming from the individual. And I think we we have heard about it. I don't know. I don't believe there is a book about it, but people speak about the challenger marketing. Uh, so so I don't know if it's if it's coming from the group some group of people, but I've I've heard that term quite a few times. But I do believe that most of the organization that we know are being successful or have been in, successful in implementing the challenge ourselves still are struggling to get 100% of their workforce from a, a sales and marketing perspective to actually follow the model. People still like to speak about product. People still like to sometimes forget about the prospect. So I guess my question to you is, how can you change the mentality of a whole group? Is it, should that come from, from the top of the organization? Well, the only effective change I've ever I've ever seen work in a company does does come from the the top. But the the beauty of taking this approach is that if you are if your approach to attracting new prospective clients is based on the challenger sale, mm-hmm. then then you're going to be setting the stage in the right way to support your sales team taking that more effective approach when when they're working with those prospects. Okay. And you know the way that I often explain it is is so we, you know, we all know that that our potential clients are are in in such a better place in terms of access to information. Right? They so they know so much more now. And really, our choice is: do we want to be order takers at the end of the funnel, which is great if you're a huge company and you own the market. But if yeah. you're, you know, if you're if you're trying to make waves and do something new and innovative, then I'm arguing you've got to be part of the educational process, and and you've got to bring those prospects along with you. And, and that's really what the the challenger sale is is all about. And so this you know insight perspective driven approach to your marketing it basically flips what what most companies do for their marketing on its head. Mm-hmm. I'll ask a bit of a disruptive question. I may shoot myself in the foot here as well because I, I will speak about some of our clients. But one of our service is is around account based selling where. Our clients really want us to get into large accounts and support them in engaging at the right level of persona to start the sales process. Okay, so they want to start from the they want to start from the top, and they are asking us to go and create the demand. So when we work with large organizations, sometimes it's a big change from a sales rep that would be used to receive a qualified opportunity with a project in six months from an inside sales team in his team that has himself been following a lead creating by marketing to us actually speaking to someone, creating a wonderful picture, creating that demon and then sending the sales rep to that meeting. And often what we realize, we realize that they're actually not equipped to take that meeting where they, in essence, they actually have to sell. They have to go and not just go through the usual PowerPoint presentation, but they have to go and speak about the issues. They have to go and assess how big the issue is, and they have to then put their value proposition in the context of that prospect. So what I'm saying here is that sometimes there is a disconnect between the people at the top who are uh, uh, selecting our services and say, yes, we absolutely need to do that. And the actual execution on the ground where salespeople are, don't really want, want to go through the effort, maybe, of, of being a challenger seller. Okay, so my question to you is, when you've got a larger sales team, can you actually transform that sales team from your perspective? Or do you believe it's about replacing that sales force and actually bring a challenger? So can someone become a challenger or are you born a challenger sell? Oh, I I think you can absolutely become a challenger. There's, you know, there's probably 20 to 30 percent of the sales team that really uh, isn't open to or doesn't have the, you know, the right foundational elements to make that jump. 
But I think uh, and this is one of the, the areas where I, I don't fully agree with the challenger sale, which, um, you know, when you look at the, the sort of five archetypes of, of sales reps that, yeah. uh, that they define, I, what I have seen is the most successful sales rep is, is a relationship builder that uses the challenger approach. And, and they you know, they really make some, some, some very pointed, they have some really pointed data around relationship builders. And, and I think it's very valid when you're talking about somebody who relies on the relationship to get the sale, which mm-hmm. that used to work, that, that sales approach used to be very effective. And, and today, just relying on the relationship is not going to get you there. But if you combine the two, if you, if you're really good at the relationship, and you take this, you know, insight, perspective, educational approach that is that is really how you lead prospects and, and bring them to a new sales opportunity. That that's what's most effective. And so you you can take and you know several other archetypes are actually really good fits. So you know the the lone wolf is can can be a very effective challenger rep because really they're just looking for what's successful. And if you show the model and demonstrate that it works, then you, you may not be able to force them to do it, but they'll take, you know, they'll take on the mantle and and run with it. So I I think it's very reasonable to pull your sales team in that direction and in giving them the right support and framework for doing that is is the most successful way to make that happen. Yeah. So, so speaking about the the challenge of sales and the, the other category, but the the type of of the five categories, which are the hard worker, the lone wolf, the relationship builder, the challenger, and the problem solver, what would be for from your perspective the key traits of of a challenger sales? It's just a mind shift. Like the each one of those has the ability to to take the challenger approach, as long as you're willing to overcome that slight discomfort that comes from sitting down. And so I, I try to explain it differently. What I want anytime that I sit down with the, the CEO of a business or the, who, you know, the head of marketing for a company, I want them to be better off because they talk to me, whether, whether sure. it makes any sense for us to work together or not. If you just take that attitude, then you move out of a sales mode and into, you know, I'm, I'm an expert. I'm a, I, I have deep, uh, knowledge and experience in this area, and even though you might be the the CEO of of an incredible company, you know you're really consumed with running that company. And and yet I work with hundreds or thousands of companies like yours, and so I can bring perspective and insight to you that's enormously valuable. And I think just looking at it that way really helps the sales rep make this jump. And you know, just a, a classic stat that, that is is really amazing is is that you know consultative sales reps get three times more referrals than traditional sales reps. Just, yeah, just changing sure. that approach that you take, mm-hmm. you know, changes the trajectory of your career tremendously. No, absolutely. I think I, I, it's also sometimes about uh, the, the relationship building. The challenge, I think, is a mindset. And um, I've witnessed one of our sales guy was definitely in the challenger type, having a conversation with a, with a, Clients, an ex-client who just moved to a new company, and that client was just telling him, "Look, we won't be able to use your services because we we have been asked to build the team internally." And and what he's done is, "Look, this is fine. You've been a client for for a lot of time, and I really appreciate that and I respect that. Is there anything that I can do for you?" And the guy at the other end just said, "Well, I don't know, but I've never done it before, so I don't even know where to start." And, and that sales guy was, I think. He's a challenger at art, but loves what he's doing. 
and has a very consultative way of doing what he's doing and, and loves to share his consultative approach, his best practices and what he learns over the years, actually help that same guy to build up a plan of what they should do, where they should start, put a time frame behind it. And it doesn't take him too much because this is what he does for a living, if you will. But he did that for a client that he had respect for because it's been a, a long-term client and, and took a bit of his time to probably do something that should not have resulted resulted in, in a sale, but eventually did result in a sale because that, that plan that he built was then presented to the CEO and the CFO of the, the, that, that organization where our, our old clients, uh, our lapsed clients happen to, to be working now. And they said, look, we love your take on it. You know, we, we, we actually think we've thought about it and we would like you to, to take on the whole project with us. And, and if everything goes well, we would like to transfer all the resources and, and, and then do it on our own. So I think that consultative approach is so important. It's that passion about what you are doing and being able to give information and sometimes not just focus on the next steps, I know it's counterproductive, but I think it's, it's very important to have a real passion for, for that consultative approach. But that's also driving me to another question, which um, you mentioned the, the, in, in, in your article, you, you mentioned that the key insight-driven approach, which entails uh, taking a consultative and leadership approach, is, is very successful. How best can one learn from that method? That method? Yeah, so one, I really love your your example, and and even if that hadn't turned into a direct sale, the referrals that would have created in the future would have been, you know, well oh, worth tremendous. the investment. Absolutely, it's about reputation, and you want those guys in your team because you are seen as a company as a sort leader, and and as from my perspective, I, I agree with you. It's, it's, it's gold, and, and that's really what we're what we want to do with taking this approach in our marketing, which is position the the company and and particular leaders within the company as thought leaders. We do a tremendous amount of work on on LinkedIn, and it works much better. So it's, it's it's never about the company page; it's about the the people in the company. That's who we want to connect with. And you know, and if if you're in sales in a company, the best thing you can do is is get your executive team to enlist in doing this. Because if if they become thought leaders, it's going to make your sales process that much better, and it's going to be that much easier for you to be a, a thought leader in the in the company. And and I, I just want to I use that as a specific example because it really demonstrates how valuable this is. So if you go build your network on LinkedIn and and, and I look at LinkedIn as like the just the ideal networking event because you get co- to connect with exactly the people you want to connect with and you, you don't have to eat high calorie food at the same time. But then if you take what we're talking about here and this sort of insight driven approach to your marketing, and you regularly flow that in to this now perfect audience of, of prospects that you've built on LinkedIn. And what you're doing is, is you're not selling them. You're, you're just sharing your expertise. You're demonstrating the value, just, just like in your example. But you're doing it at scale now. What we're really doing is, is creating word of mouth at scale. We're ampli- because we're all digitally connected, we can now amplify this effect of this really wonderful thing of, of word of mouth. And that's really what... The, the value that I see in the challenger sale is the ability to uh, apply this approach. The end result is that we create more word of mouth because what we're really doing is, is creating social currency. We're giving people a reason okay. to talk about us. Mm-hmm. That, that makes perfect sense. So, so I'm sure you, you've, you've been implementing the, 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 the model of the challenger sale at, uh, at, uh, at boom time. What sort of results have you seen out of it? So this is the the challenging part of doing this, which is that you, you have to do it as a long-term commitment. 
you're not going to see a significant change 30 days, 60 days in. You're, you're, you're very likely to get some early wins that, that you celebrate and show that you're going in the right direction. But you, you have to commit to this approach to, to the long term. And the end result of that is it just, it just changes the whole sales culture and approach and relationship with prospective clients. And instead of being in this sort of back and forth sales negotiation approach, it's, it's just like your example. It, it becomes a partnership and a, and a consultative approach. So if, if you walk into every prospective meeting with simply the goal of making that person better off because they met with you, well, your your marketing needs to do the same thing. Somebody takes the time to read something that you wrote. You're you're not just giving them a sales pitch. You're giving them something that's that's really valuable that's going to be helpful in their company, their career. And so it just changes the the way that people think about and and see your company. But you know, the only downside is it it does it takes it takes time to do it. But this is the one approach to marketing that that what I've seen in the data is that you can invest in long-term and get, and really get a return on it. Yeah, absolutely. No, I hundred percent agree with you. I think it's, uh, I think one of the criteria it's also, is also important is, is having no fear in the sales cycles. I think sometimes, and particularly in the space we, we evolve into, which is technology sales. And we, we have a fair few clients who are startup organization and, in startup organization, you have VCs that are injecting money, and when money is injected, results are expected. So you, you can't just spend your time being consultative and having conversation with people that actually lead to nothing. You, you have to close some business, so you can't just be a, the, the, some sort of a problem solver in a way without uh, without closing any business. But what do you think are the the factors that can impact someone in in actually putting that methodology in place properly uh, as a sales or marketing person, apart from the pressure that I just mentioned, the pressure of the numbers, what do you see as the external factor that can impact or, or, or interact negatively with, with a challenge or sales approach? Well, what, what, what I'd like to actually do is tackle what we see as the, the biggest barrier to doing this well over and over again, which is, uh, you know, you, you can buy into the concept you can, you can see how successful it's been for other companies, and then you sit down to actually do it. And you know the hard part is staring at a at a blank screen, realizing that that the only thing that makes this work is is consistency. I mean, it's it, to me that's the core mistake in marketing that companies make over and over again is is not committing to a strategy and executing on it consistently. And and you just you have to do that, and that means you have to have a regular stream of really great insight-driven content. And that's very tough to do. And I rarely see companies, uh, you know, even large companies do that successfully internally, unless they either have a lot of dedicated resources for it. And in a, you know, in a smaller company or a startup, that's just not realistic. But there are, you know, there's so many great resources out there. And, and so the key is to not have, not fall into the copywriter trap, which is somebody who's really good at writing, but maybe last week was working on a, a car dealership and this week is supposed to help you with your enterprise SaaS company. It's just not realistic. Like you, you spend all your time educating them. I'd much rather find somebody who already knows that audience really well, has, you know, written for the the websites and industry pubs in 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 that market. And we can just, you know, brainstorm with the team. And, you know, I, I can sit down with the CEO of a company and 
in 30 minutes get enough great ideas for a six-month editorial calendar. Mm-hmm. It's just really difficult to do it internally. So we, we have a network of 300 subject matter experts, which is, which is how we address this issue. And then the, the next step after you get your really great content that's, that's on target and, and you don't have to spend all your time fixing it and rewriting it, is then getting the voice rights very difficult. And we, we have found that, that having a separate editor do that is, is really what makes it work because then we can focus on an expert who knows the area really well. And then we can focus on someone who's really great at, at writing and capturing the voice and making that, that little bit of, of twist in perspective to, to match with the, the voice of the company and the, the, uh, you know, maybe the CEO of the company in that particular case. So to do this well, you have to, you have to put a process in place that's going to allow you to tackle that problem and run with it consistently because it just won't work if you do it for a month or two and then things get busy and you get distracted and go off and do something else. It Absolutely. just it has to happen day in and day out. Yeah, no, that makes uh, that makes a lot of sense to me, and I, and I appreciate your insight today, Bill. Um, so, so thank you very much for your time today. Unfortunately, we we're getting towards the the end of uh, the end of our conversation. Um, but if anyone wanted to get in touch with you, Bill, and either pursue the conversation we had, or or or, or simply try to learn more about boom type, uh, what's the best way to get hold of you? Yeah, so th- this is obviously a subject I love. So you please reach out to me at CEO at boomtime.com. You can find this at boomtime.com. If you want to see an, an example, the, you know, like a lot of marketing companies, we, until we got serious and started treating ourselves as a client, I mean, that's, that's when we, we started eating our own dog food and it really started working for ourselves. And so if you go look me up on LinkedIn, you will, you will see us doing exactly the things that, uh, that I am talking about. And, you know, our, our version of this is to just share exactly what we've learned and say, this, this is what you ought to do, because this is what we see working for, you know, hundreds of B2B uh, companies. So please check it out. And I, I want to see as many businesses apply this as possible. Yeah, that's, that's great. Spreading the world. I like it. Well, many thanks uh, once again, Bill. It was absolutely wonderful to have you on the show today. I really appreciate you having me on. Thanks. Operatics has redefined the meaning of revenue generation for technology companies worldwide. While the traditional concepts of building and managing inside sales teams in-house has existed for many years, companies are struggling with a lack of focus, agility, and scale required in today's fast and complex world of enterprise technology sales. See how Operatics can help your company accelerate pipeline at operatics.net. You've been listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.